Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. I think Breaking Bad's a better show than The Sopranos. I think Breaking Bad's the best show I've ever seen. I agree with that. Text line 69306. Breaking Bad or The Sopranos? You can pick one. Joe Burrow, not Jake Burrow. Shows how much I know. Talking head over here. Um, Man, I just, I just really like Chase Young. I think Chase Young could change a franchise. He might be better than Nick and Joey Bosa out of Ohio State. You know, Nick Bosa had seven sacks in his first seven games of the season. He's had one in the last five. Take that for data. I think this is interesting this Sunday because James Palmer made it interesting for me with this topic. Let's jump on to the tight end spot. I find it interesting, Andrew, that Travis Kelsey might be the third biggest weapon on his own team behind Mahomes and Tyree Kill, but arguably the best tight end in football. Their ability to move him around. Keep an eye on that on Sunday against New England. Talking to players the last couple of weeks, they said when you see Travis line up all over the place, we start to think to ourselves, like, how do teams cover this? How do they line up against us because of this chess piece we have in Travis Kelsey? In 11 games, Andrew, he has over 50 receiving yards. The only other guy to do that is Michael Thomas, who's breaking the record books right now in New Orleans. So Travis Kelsey, a big part of that. And remember what the Patriots did against Zach Ertz a couple of weeks ago. They put Stefan Gilmore on him at times. Perhaps you could see the same thing when they line up against Travis Kelsey. So this is interesting content for me to think about. There's a lot of talk in this game that it's Tom versus Pat. There's a lot of talk in the league that once Gronkowski put it up, that it would be uh, Travis Kelsey's league at tight end. George Kittle would have to say something about that. The kids that keep coming out of Iowa would say something about that maybe in the next few years. But you hear where he puts this in perspective at the very end is that Stephon Gilmore at times shadowed Zach Ertz when they played Philadelphia. So I don't know how much a Stephon Gilmore will be shadowing Travis Kelsey, but I do know they did that a little bit last year in the AFC Championship game, and Travis Kelsey's numbers were, I believe, like three for 23. I believe those were his numbers in the AFC Championship game, and of course Tyreek Hill had the one catch, uh, the sole catch in the AFC Championship game. They did exactly what we thought they were going to do. They, they bridged Tyreek Hill. Took him completely away, just ran him off to the sidelines where Mahomes could never throw it to him. And then they just shadowed Travis Kelsey with their best corner. And if you remember, Chiefs fans, back in the day-day, that's what Champ Bailey would do for the Denver Broncos. He would shadow Tony Gonzalez. You put an athletic freak corner on him, and it makes it hard for them to get open because what basically tight ends do when they get open is they just outrun linebackers or they outmove safeties. You see a big body, see him kind of move. Hey, by the way, good for Oklahoma. They brought back the wagon and it didn't crash. Mm-hmm. You liked it. You love to see it. Love that. to see it. You do. Um, but you get back to Travis Kelsey. And I think that Travis Kelsey's cons- c- career-long problem, other than maybe sometimes getting a little too colorful on the field when it comes to uh, penalties or something like that, which he's toned down significantly, I think the biggest problem Travis Kelsey's had is just getting out of the Gronkowski shadow. 
And this is where, like, a lot of people hated my uh, nickname of the Baby Badger because a lot of people were like, well, they could call him Baby Gronk. But, again, it wasn't about, like, comparing a guy to another guy. It was basically just saying, like, he's coming up under the wings of Tyron Matthew when it came to Juan Thornhill. When it came to, or when it comes to Travis Kelsey and getting out of the shadows of Rob Gronkowski, by the way, Rob Gronkowski only has 43 more career receptions than Travis Kelsey. Um, That's amazing. It is. Travis Kelsey is what I think a, what I would consider a lock for the Hall of Fame because if Gronk is a lock for the Hall of Fame, granted he has rings, Travis Kelsey does not. I think Travis Kelsey will eventually get one because of who his quarterback and head coach are, and uh, we'll see how that happens when it comes to this game on Saturday. But Gronkowski is no longer in the league. And I've heard people say that they think that George Kittle is a better tight end. Um, I don't think that George Kittle has the quite the clout that Travis Kelsey has. Now, George Kittle is setting a trend out of Iowa because he's from there, Hawkinson's from there, and Noah Fant, all from Iowa, all big tight ends, all drafted high up in the NFL draft. But when it comes to tight ends and Travis Kelsey, he's now only 77 yards away from becoming the first tight end in the history of the NFL to have 1,000 yards in four consecutive years. No tight end has ever done that. And that is another number that is pretty true to what would make Travis Kelsey the best tight end in the league because consistency plays in this type of scenario. If you're a tight end and you're getting 1,000 yards, it's cute if you do it a couple years. You're like, oh, it's nice. You got 1,000 yards. Gronkowski never did 1,000 yards it, four straight years in a row. It's usually more of a testament to that you don't have other options on the offense, so they're just right. getting a ton of targets, ton of catches. But that's not the case with this Chiefs team. No. Travis Kelsey is, in fact, the bread and butter, the straw that stirs the drink, to steal a line from Josh Vernier about Lorenzo Cain back in the Royals championship run. Shout out, Vern. And the other thing about this is that he's a security blanket. We talked about this a little bit earlier about if Travis Kelsey were to miss significant time, I feel it would hurt this Chiefs offense more than if Tyreek Hill missed significant time. You saw when Tyreek Hill was out, Demarcus Robinson kind of stayed up and kind of made himself known. Byron Pringle had a couple of decent games, which I'm not saying that's what we need. Sammy Watkins, too. Right. And yeah, that, Sammy, Watkins, game. Sammy Watkins went off for 198 as soon as Tyreek Hill went out. Because then it was like Jalen Ramsey was like, well, I'm just going to stay on this side of the field and just shut down whoever they try to bring over here. And then for some reason, Sammy Watkins just became unguardable, untouchable, and could catch anything and could move anywhere. But when it comes to Travis Kelsey, Travis Kelsey is that guy, just like Gronk was for Brady. You see 87 on the field. You know where 87's going on the field. And you know that in your head and in his head that you both know exactly what you want to do no matter what happens where the defense plays. You read the mic, you read the Sam or the Will, whatever linebacker it is, you figure out if they're in zone or man, and you know that guy's going to go somewhere. Just look at the routes that Travis Kelsey runs. He runs those out routes. He runs routes that you normally don't see tight ends run because Mahomes and Kelsey have that connection. How about that play last week, too, where Mahomes is backpedaling about 15 yards, just throws it up in the air, and Kelsey just ascends to the top to get it. Like, that's something that you don't see from a lot of guys. And a lot of that can be, like, one of those freak plays because it's off his back foot. But it's also, like, if Mahomes is going to throw it off his back foot and he's going to put it in the air for someone, he knows exactly who he's going to put it in the air for and he knows exactly where that person's going to be and basically, like, the pivotal point of where they're going to get up. Like, that's just something that they have to have together. That's something that Gronk and Brady had together. That's something that helped Brady continue his career because you look at what happened to the Patriots and the Chiefs in both games. Gronkowski had big roles at the end of the game that set the Patriots up for success. Whether it be a field goal, whether it be a touchdown, they were always around. 
and you look at the Chiefs and Travis Kelsey. I don't know if you'll get 77 receiving yards this year or this game. It's tough, especially if the number one corner, who I think is the number one corner in the NFL, is shadowing you and making sure you can't get there. That's tough. Now, if Stephon Gilmore and they know when he's going to be shadowing Travis Kelsey and you can throw those quick five-yard checks and he doesn't jump that route, you can eat that up. But it's going to be hard for Travis Kelsey to maneuver out and try to get up higher than a cornerback. Yes, height plays, but I think when you think of Travis Kelsey and you think of where he's at, if he does, in fact, get his 1,000 yards for the fourth straight season, it'll be a stepping stone, and it'll be a highlight for Nance and, Ro- and Romo this weekend. You know that they're going to have their stats well-prepared. They're going to have the graphic ready. That's right. It's there. Their TD, their director, everybody in that system, they know that Travis Kelsey, that's one of the highlighted points. Hell, we've been talking about it for two weeks. But if Travis Kelsey gets 1,000 yards on the season in this game and has – you know, six or seven receptions and knocks that number under 40 and into the 30s, it's going to be a conversation of what they're going to talk about. Is Travis Kelsey the next heir apparent to Rob Gronkowski? My question, or my answer, is clearly yes. I love George Kittle. I think what George Kittle does is great. I think Zach Ertz is great. I think Mark Andrews has a high ceiling as well. I just think when it comes to the way that this individual plays on this team and his importance to this offense, James Palmer said it. He was the third weapon on this team considering Mahomes and Tyreek Hill. I am very, very confident in saying that this team is better off without Tyreek Hill than they are without Travis Kelsey just because of the relationship, the chemistry, and the connection that 87 and 15 have. I think it's just the consistency, too. I mean, you look at his numbers this year, and he's averaging about six catches per game for 77 yards, which how many yards does he need to get 1,000? Right. 77 yards, so... You look at that, and that's just a guy that Mahomes can rely on. We talked about that play against the Raiders where he kind of checked it up. That's somebody that Mahomes has complete trust in, and he's going to keep feeding him no matter what. And again, I never said t- Kerry, or I never said Kill's a high pick. I said he set the trend for the Iowa tight ends to become high picks. Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson, and Kittle was from Iowa. Well, and Kittle's great. And the only thing that's different here is the fact that Travis Kelsey is now about to go four straight seasons of 1,000 receiving yards. And the two seasons before that when he was healthy, 862 and 14 and 875 and 15. So it's not like he's ever really had a down year. He's been great his entire career. And some of those years were with the uh, quarterback named Alex Smith. Mm -hmm. Two of those 1,000-yard seasons. I'll tell you this. um, I saw a picture of this man without a shirt on and some really tight shorts, and it's got me impressed and wants me to see more of him. Out of Bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price, 610 Sports Radio. Saturday, live and local, 610 Sports Radio. Coming to you live. From the intercom building, Nick Price, Dusty Likens, we're here for you. Keeping it local. Chiefs talk. Royals just signed a minor league deal to Trevor Rosenthal. For those of you that don't know who he is, he was with the Cardinals for a couple years. He's also from the city of Lee Summit. So a local kid um, who signs with the Royals. Also, if you're interested and you want to find something to listen or to read while you're listening to us, um... Some pretty interesting stuff when it comes to uh, Eric Ebron from the Indianapolis Colts as he uh, was placed on IR as basically a business decision as Ian Rappaport is slowly but surely reporting. 
as they have just given Jack Doyle a extension, which would mean they're probably going to part ways with Eric Ebron. Um, God, the NFL is just a brutal matchup. Um, and also a side note from Nick Price, the Patriots are 42 at home, 42 and 0 at home versus ASC teams when Tom Brady and Julian Edelman are in the lineup. Could Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs make that 42 and 1? Um, that was a tweet from Sunday Night Football on NBC. Uh, the reason why they are 42 and 0 at home is because I believe Julian Edelman in 2017 was uh, suspended for performance enhancing uh, drugs yeah, or some sure sort right. of something, and he didn't yeah. play in that first four game of the season in 2017, right? Yeah. So that's why they are uh, 42 and 0 home. When you think what Chiefs beat them a couple years ago, but in fact the Chiefs are the only team to beat the Patriots in the AFC in the last two years at Foxborough during the regular season. When it comes to um, the tease I just gave, which was quite interesting, it was a wild tease. Um, you can go to my uh, you can go to my likes and my Twitter feed. Uh, there's a picture of Darwin Thompson walking through what would look like a tunnel uh, from post game, like he's ready to go hit the showers. He is wearing um, some very tight briefs and no shirt, and the guy looks literally like a Greek god. I mean, he is one of the biggest guys I've ever seen for his size. Yeah, one of the biggest little guys. And I mean that in every aspect. I will leave it at that. Um, the other thing that I'd like to say is that Darwin Thompson might be what Wade Davis was to Ned Yost. For years, Andy Reid has always been criticized for clock management, can't close games. I've used the analogy that Andy Reid is a poker player who gets a pretty big chip lead to start a uh, poker night. And uh, eventually just kind of plays blinds, folds his hands after calling a few bets and raises. And then at the end of the night, you're like, where'd all your chips go? Like, you had a commanding chip stack, and now you're just basically back with what you bought in for, which is kind of how his games would sometimes feel. You look at the Tennessee Titans game this year, uh, the Colts game in the playoffs a few years back. I don't need to remind you how that went. The Tennessee Titans game where you had the lead, and then it was just like, why can't we close it out? And it just seemed that maybe he was missing one little piece. And it seems that that piece that he was missing was like a ground-and-pound type of guy. And Darwin Thompson got a little bit of a taste of that in that Oakland Raiders game. And, Nick Price, you have the numbers. Yeah, so I looked into it. And uh, the final drive of that game, not not actually the final drive, but basically the drive that finished that game out the and wasted the most of the fourth quarter was a 14-play, 75-yard touchdown drive from the Chiefs that mm -hmm. took nine minutes and 32 seconds off the clock. Mm -hmm. Of those 14 plays... 11 carries for Darwin Thompson for 44 yards and a touchdown. That's something that we haven't really seen this Chiefs team be able to do, just run the clock out, really drag out the time at the end of a game yeah. and sit on a lead like that. We haven't seen them be able to do that since Kareem Hunt left this team last year. Right. And to give you some reference on time of possession, the Raiders had the ball 31 minutes, the Chiefs had the ball 29 minutes when the Raiders and Chiefs played last week, right? Um, in the fourth quarter... The Chiefs had the ball 10 minutes and 11 seconds. The Oakland Raiders had the ball 4 minutes and 49 seconds. Why? Because Darwin Thompson was just a sledgehammer uh, when it came to finishing that game. I say that because I would like to see Darwin Thompson. That's who I start with. So I'd like to see Darwin Thompson get a little bit more time. I think that this team against the Patriots, it's a tough matchup. If you were ever going to ease a guy into it, Give him a matchup where you played a team where you're literally blowing the brakes off this team and they just look defeated, and you can really kind of just move the ball methodically with Darwin Thompson. He took some hits. He had some good cuts. We didn't really see what he could do in the passing game. 
which is where we move into LaShawn McCoy. LaShawn McCoy is the running back that is going to be featured early and often. We're going to see how much of this load management Andy Reid is really truly sticking towards because LaShawn McCoy is the most experienced, probably the most trusted when it comes to Andy Reid just because of longevity within being in Philly together and now in Kansas City together. And 13-13, by the way, Baylor, Oklahoma, with uh, about seven minutes left in the third quarter. The thing that's interesting about LaShawn McCoy, though, is like how much time, and that's where the load management comes in, is how much time do we leave LaShawn McCoy out there? Because as confident as I am in this game for the Chiefs, the Chiefs are playing a New England defense that is very, very good, but also dependent on having the offense make them a mistake that they can capitalize on. Because if you can give the Patriots the ball within the 25, the 30, hell, even the 40-yard line of your 40, the Patriots will make you pay. Now, I know that their kicker doesn't have his appendix anymore. In fact, he lost it a week ago, and he's already back to kicking field goals. Amazing. So we'll see how that plays. But also, their defense is going to depend on you making a mistake. I don't think Pat makes that mistake. Maybe he gets hit and fumbles. Like, that's kind of like out of his – it is, but it isn't out of his control because of the velocity and the power of the hit could cause the fumble, which he might not know is coming. But when it comes to LaShawn McCoy, what's the number one issue he's had this year? Holding on to the football. You can't fumble in this game. So it makes me think how much Andy Reid will let him go out there and log the carries, which makes me think if it's not going to be LaShawn McCoy, it's probably going to be Darwin Thompson, which is going to give Darwin Thompson a good time to show that the kid that they drafted at Utah State that they think could be a viable option moving forward could be eventually their RB1. I'm not sure about that. That's a leap of faith. But we'll see where LaShawn McCoy's carries and production come because we agree LaShawn McCoy's probably the best running back they have to come out for a pass. What's the one thing that's killed the Patriots in the past when it comes to the Chiefs? Running backs that know how to get out, run routes, and catch the ball against the New England defense. Right. Last year in the AFC Championship game, Chiefs running backs, 10 carries for 30 yards and a touchdown. Not great, but they also had six catches out of the backfield for 87 yards and two touchdowns. So it's not always going to be the the typical running between the tackles or running outside. A lot of the times, the Chiefs are going to try to get their running backs involved by getting them involved in the passing game. And that makes a lot of sense, too, when you look at the Pats' defense this year against running backs. They're sixth best in the NFL of rushing yards allowed. They've only allowed one rushing touchdown, which is the best in the NFL to opposing running backs. And then they're fifth best in receiving yards to running backs, and they've only allowed one receiving touchdown. So it's not an easy situation for a young guy like Darwin Thompson, but very encouraging to see him close that game out last week and really get the load of the carries there towards the end of the game. Yeah. Something to look forward to this weekend, too. Which makes him look like he could be the Wade Davis, the guy you give to the ball and just says, hey, close this game out. Don't let anything happen. Just get in, get out, middle finger it, and just move on. The Chiefs also made some news this week when they signed Spencer Ware, and what Mahomes had to say about him kind of indicates what we think Spencer Ware will be when it comes to his role in this offense. Someone that can come in with familiarity with the offense. and uh... Hang on. It's also great to hear how he says familiarity. Someone that can come in with familiarity with the offense and uh, someone that you know can go out there and, and run and get the tough yards and also catch the ball coming out of the backfield. And you don't, you don't have to worry about him having to figure out protections because he's been in this offense and understands and he's played against his team and he understands how to kind of help you out in the, in the backfield protection-wise as well. The last three seconds of that audio clip is exactly where you should find Spencer Ware most of the time when it comes to his role. And here's what Andy Reid had to say as well as he was talking about Spencer Ware this week. He knows the offense. 
So it's not, he doesn't have to learn, he doesn't have to go through that whole thing, Irving. So he can come in and it looks like he's in pretty good shape. So, I mean, he hasn't played football, but he's in pretty good shape. So, you know, it's important that he practices hard and does all that. And then we'll see, you know, we'll see at the end of the week how, how it fits in. He's not going to be your starter and go out and play every down. That's not what he's doing, but we'll see. You know, we'll see how it all works out. So if you combine Andy Reid and you combine Patrick Mahomes, the two guys that basically run the show on the offensive side of the football, Patrick Mahomes, he's really good in the backfield. He knows how to, like, really pick up blitzes. He knows how to block and everything like that. Andy Reid, yeah, he's not going to run the ball a whole lot. He's not going to be in there a lot of times, but he knows the offense. He looks like he's in shape. I'll tell you what Andy Reid's really saying. He looks like he can get back there and stick a guy that's going to come after Patrick Mahomes because we know that the Patriots, because they do this all the time with Dante Hightower, they're going to stunt, they're going to move around, they're going to zone blitz, they're going to scheme, and they just need a guy on that third and four, third and five, hell, third and six, that when they send that guy or they send that safety, they can trust Spencer Ware to sit in there, load up, and take that stick. LaShawn McCoy's too old. Darwin Thompson is too inexperienced, but Spencer Ware is a good guy that you don't have to worry about getting him fatigued, but you can be like, hey, man, I know this doesn't sound like the most fun in the world, but when there's somebody coming in to blitz on Patrick Mahomes, stick that man in the mouth. Yeah, a big part of this is just giving Mahomes that one extra second that you get from a running back block, and that's something that Spencer Ware has shown that he can do, and definitely, to me anyway, the reason why they brought him back. It's the only reason why they brought him back. They need somebody that they can trust. I think that Andy Reid, when it comes to running backs, it's tough for him to trust people, and I think that's a guy that he's comfortable putting next to Patrick Mahomes in the shotgun stance that when there's somebody that comes through a zone scheme or some side of the blitz, Spencer Ware is not going to worry about it because he knows that his job is to just get that guy between the numbers and put him away from number 15. I feel like we have to talk about this a little bit. We've kind of hinted at it. I said I'd cut my hair like Mark Davis or Steven Belichick if this happens, but we have to look at who is key for the Patriots and who can stop the main three. Out of Bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price, 610 Sports Radio. Coming up in just a little bit, we're going to play a game. Is it Bill or is it Steve? Referencing the Belichicks. I honestly have no idea what Nick Price has put together, but he's got a couple bits of audios. Clips, and if you want to if you want to join and you want to try to guess which one's which, you want to get your voice on the radio, you're more than welcome. 913-576-7610. We'll let you guess Bill or Steve. And then you can give a shout-out to whoever you want on the radio here at 610 Sports Radio because we're live and local. We care about you. Coming up after us, it'll be Julio and Chris Unicero, uh, two of the three sexiest sports radio station trio in the city as overtime will be after us. Before us was Brandon Kylie, 10 to 12. You can catch all that on the 435 Podcast Network um, and ES and on uh, 610sports.com. Um, like, subscribe, download. You have the Force to Punt podcast, which is what I do with Steven Serta. He is the uh, leader of the show. He uh, knows way more than I do, but I will tell you this. Your boy is in the Final Four for the second year in a row. Combined record of 21-5 and five over the last two years in fantasy football. I've got a trophy that sits above my freezer, and uh, my bank account from last year would tell you that I won $1,100 on fantasy football. Happy so, for you, man. You should be, because that's how I have to sell the fantasy podcast app, because you have to trust us that we have the records to, uh, to go with it. As Oklahoma has scored a touchdown in that game, it is now 20-13. to 13. 
Oklahoma leads. They continue to do their job and hope that Georgia loses to LSU as the college football championship Saturday is in full effect. And in fact, at three o'clock is when you will get LSU versus Georgia, which, you know, somewhere, Jay Binkley, my guy, Jay Binkley, a lot of people's guys. Uh, Jay Binkley is literally on a couch, probably getting ready to send me and Nick a middle finger emoji or some sort of gif. It's got to be coming. And he is just locked in for like the next 14 hours because he's got a busy day tomorrow. Jay Binkley's back for Bink on Sunday from uh, 10 to noon. Before that is Steven Serta's fantasy football show from 9 to 10. And then, of course, you'll get the Arrowhead Pride pregame show at 125 with my guy, Pete Sweeney, and uh, my other guy, Kent Swanson, and Nick Price holds that thing together. Uh, he is the glue between the two sticks uh, on the air. Not that they're sticks, but just the reference. Yeah. Um. So Sunday, it's interesting. You have to look at kind of some matchups here. We'll get into somebody who I want to see the Chiefs really just, just, just do it. Like, just, we'll get there. But when you look at the Patriots, stopping James White and Julian Edelman, you just got to figure out who's going to do it. And Nick, you've got the numbers of what these two guys did in the AFC Championship game last year, and it's it's kind of impressive. White had six carries for 23 yards and four catches for 49 yards, and then Edelman, seven catches for 96 yards. We all remember the continuous plays to Julian Edelman, third and long on those last couple drives. So they were very effective in that game. They might not have showed up in getting into the end zone, but they were the ones who were setting that up. And right now it seems like those are the only guys on this team that Tom Brady really trusts. That's kind of the story coming out of New England is that he doesn't trust any of his wide receivers except for Julian Edelman, and he likes to dump it down to James White. So if you can stop those two guys, I think those are the number one and number two priority for the Chiefs this weekend. Yeah, and, uh, man, this I just want to know how many people are listening because this last text really got to me. From the 816, don't forget that Bink is eating Jack's frozen pizzas. I will die on this hill, and I will tell you that Jack's are the best frozen pizzas there are. I don't think I've ever had a Jack's frozen oh, pizza. Oh, my God. You can literally fold it in half and just eat it like a taco. Oh, I know what Jack's is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I just Big red lettering. I, yep, I know yep. this. I know oh, this. yeah. They're normally like four for ten at the grocery store yeah. or like three for nine. Yeah. Man, they are good. I would go 69306 is the text line. Feel free to chime in on this. What's the best frozen pizza? I'm going to go with Jack's. DiGiorno is a very close second with that rising crust that comes in the vacuum-sealed bag. Um, and then I'd probably after that, I'd, I I don't know if I have another one. It's got to be for me. Red Baron. Tombstone. Yeah, no, Red Baron's good. Also, Palermo's. Like, they're sneaky good. Yeah, Stanford Joe, a uh, friend of the show, friend of mine, said Red Baron as well. I mean, yeah. Jack's pizzas are, are not the best, according to this. Red Baron is the blank. As we are completely getting off topic, we are taking a segment from our friends off the rundown here for a little bit. I really feel that Jack's Pizzas don't get the respect. Jack's Pizzas are basically like Home Alone 3. You know Pretty good. Don't get a lot of respect. We need to have a pizza taste test. Like, uh, don't know what it is. We'll yeah. just bring in, maybe uh, maybe the next show we'll bring in, we'll each bring in two pizzas. Mm, Screaming Sicilian is solid. I've had that. It is very, very good. Um, 
God, where do you get jacks by the case? Seventy. Gotta be Costco, right? Gotta be. Gotta be Costco. I'm getting, let's get. Let's just go halves on a Costco card. That's anyway, what I've been trying to get. I know. To I know. It's anyway, Thirty bucks person. We'll get back to the text line because that took off way too much than I thought it would. Oh, uh, man. I God, I do love Jack's pizza. Ooh, Totinos. Eh, yeah, when I was a kid. Um, but when you look at this game, when it comes to who do you have to stop and who's going to stop him, do you think that you can put a linebacker on James White and get away with it? I'm not sure. It seems that the I don't rest think of, so, man. Who do you want to put on James White? I I think that you got to have a speedier guy, kind of shadowing him. Maybe maybe Thornhill, you want maybe, maybe Badge, maybe Tyron Matthew, just kind of as a spy, like keeping out for him. So then, who helps on the double cove on Julian Edelman? I think that maybe you see more of uh, Dirty Dan Sorensen out there, try to get some quicker guys on the field because that's the thing that's going to kill you is if you're trying to have a linebacker match up with James White. Chiefs linebackers, just in general, lack a lot of speed on this team. They're not going to be able to catch up to them. Yeah, and what makes it interesting is those are the two guys that really just scare the living daylights out of me when it comes to the Patriots offense because you saw what the Green Bay Packers were able to do with their running backs when they got their Aaron Jones and, uh, what is it, Damian, not Damian Williams, but it's something Williams Mm -hmm. for the Packers. And you saw what they were able to do when they got out. Um. It's crazy. Um, and it makes you think, like, last year you kind of made a good point. Like, Darren O'Daniel did a good job like covering linebackers. He's kind of gone away. We haven't really seen a lot of DOD this year. They don't year. really have that speed linebacker that can really spy on those dump-offs to the running backs. And that's something that Tom Brady of the Patriots, I mean, you've seen it for the last few years. They love to do that. They love those quick routes to Edelman, and they love dumping it off to James White. And James White often has been their most productive running back for that reason, not because of his ability to run the football, but him being able to get Tom Brady out of tough situations and make plays happen with his feet. I just don't think that there's any linebacker that on this team right now that can really size him up and keep up with him because he's just too quick. Yeah, and I mean, if you look at what they did last year in the game, the numbers are there. The other thing that makes me, Jamal Williams, that's right, I couldn't think of it. Thanks, Lance. Um, the thing about it is the fact that it just scares me because if their running backs can get loose, it can get Tom that trust, and that's what you got to do is just keep Tom away from that big trust. And if you can do that and you can keep him away from um, from really just settling in, which is a clearly obvious statement, but I will say this. When it comes to the other side of the team, the Kansas City Chiefs, I just need five for 65 from Sammy Watkins. Need something because you know that's what they're going to do. You know what they're going to do. They're going to try. They're going to put their best guy on Travis Kelsey. They're going to be – doubling with the safety on Tyree Kill. They're going to try to do exactly what they tried to do to you and successfully did to you in the AFC Championship game. They're going to take away your top two threats, and they're going to say, okay, Sammy Watkins, go beat us, or McCole Hardman, or whoever yeah. it ends up being that's that third or fourth option on the team. They're not going to They're going to take away those two guys. This is where maybe we see Sammy Watkins step up like he did in the AFC Championship game last year. I'm not going to bank on it. I'm not either. I just need Sammy Watkins to give me like five for 55 to 65 and a touchdown. Not from a fantasy aspect, just enough to where it's like, okay, we can't just like bank on Travis Kelsey more. We've got to kind of like play this to a system. And I've said this. I said this last night. Is Sammy Watkins, you're hearing this. If Sammy Watkins can have 198 yards like he did in week one, I will either cut my hair like Mark Davis or I will grow my hair out like Steven Belichick. Because Stephen Belichick is a topic for our next topic. But before we get to that, I've got to address this. Somebody said, in what world is Home Alone 3 pretty good? I said it doesn't get the respect it should. It's not a great movie. 
but it's better than people give it credit for. It's not Macaulay Culkin. I understand that. Home Alone 1 and 2 are fantastic movies. And moving forward on this show, we have a show here in a couple weeks. We'll dive into the next Home Alone, Home Alone 2, and the tricks. Because last year we did Home Alone 1. Our right. boss loved it about the, tri- the the stunts they make. Anything. But again, from the text line, 69306. What's the best frozen pizza option? Because a lot of people are telling me Tony's Pizza in the Orange Box. Jack's all the way. Goatman. Totino's is a pretty good cheap option. Ain't lying there. We buy Jack's by the case from the 785. Screaming Sicilian is gold. Bink claimed yesterday there'd be no Jack's pizza today. BS. I hope Binkley has two of them. A meat lovers and a supreme. Folds them both into taco form and crushes the hell out of them. Coming up next, you want to call in and give a shout out. All you got to do is play a game. It's called Is It Steve or Is It Bill? Out of Bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price. 610 Sports Radio. From Jeff Passan of ESPN, the Garrett Cole sweepstakes moving to the point where through where there will be teams making initial offers in the coming days. Sources tell ESPN the three favorites remain the Yankees, the Angels, and the Dodgers. The pace of the negotiations for Garrett Cole is TBD. It can move very fast. It may well as hit a snag. A lot depends on the initial offer. But know this. Teams recognize that there is a very strong market, and that's showing the depth of interest with a strong first offer is favorable. Just please let the Los Angeles Angels just go get him. Don't go to the Dodgers. Don't go to the Yankees. Go pitch with Mike Trout. Let Mike Trout get a championship. I've seen the Royals win a championship. I'll wait a couple years for them to get back to being the stars of the AL Central. Because Chicago White Sox scare the hell out of me. But just give Mike Trout somebody to pitch to. Somebody to pitch for Mike Trout. Jax has stopped selling the sausage pepperoni one. Upsetting. Can't find it anywhere. I'm on their Supreme one now. Not as good. I'm with you, man. Like, I was at Hy-Vee the other day, and they had Jax pizzas. Four for ten. I got four. I got a Hawaii. I got a Canadian bacon, a pepperoni, a meat lover's. And, boy, I was looking for the sausage. They didn't have it. The pepperoni and sausage combo, just in general on pizza, is the best one-two punch in the pizza game, in my opinion. Well... The producers of Godfather Part 3 and the Fast and Furious Tokyo Drift agree with you that Home Alone 3 is undefeated or underrated. That's, I see what you're saying there. So, we found some audio this week. We've got Caleb on the line. We'll get to him shortly, but uh, you could play a game. We have no prizes. We have nothing you can win. We can give you a little bit of airtime because I'm sure you don't like listening to us all day long on Saturday on Live and Local, but that's part of us being local. We'll give you a chance to tell us if it's Steve or Bill And you can say, hey, mom, or hey, Gary, my friend from high school, or hey, honey, I told you I'm taking the kids to soccer practice. I'm in the car right now calling 610 Sports Radio, talking to Dusty Likens and Nick Price. And this week's edition of Is It Steve or Is It Bill? Phone number is 913-576-7610. Caleb, you're first. Nick Price. Caleb, you with us? Caleb, is you here? Yes, I'm here. All right, Nick Price, you're going to play the audio. Caleb, you've got a guess. Is it Steve or Bill? All right. So far, it's neither. I don't know. I haven't really thought about how it correlates. It's just trying to do my thing, and I think that that's what's best, so that's what we're trying to do. Caleb, was that Steve or was that Bill? That's Steve. My man, what do you, 
Hey, what made you think it was Steve? Uh, he just sounded like 30 years younger than Bill. Bill kind of got that old man grumble. I don't know. He just sounded a lot younger. All right, Caleb, in the words of Andy Reid, time's yours. Give a shout-out to anybody you want to talk to. Shout-out. I shout-out to uh, my homie Trayvon uh, ESB. That's all I need to be That's all that needs to be said. Right on, Caleb. Have a good week and enjoy the game Sunday. All right. Steve or Bill? Play another one. I'll do a guess. How's everybody doing? All right. What's up? Only reason I know who that is is because I listened to that audio take all week long. Mm-hmm. That's Bill Belichick. What's oh, yeah. up? How about this one? I've been watching it for a while. Uh, like I said, football's my thing. Um... God, that's tough. Is that Steve? Is that, that our, is Steve. Is, is that our that Keith is Sutherland Steve. lookalike from the Lost Boys? All right, I got two more for you, Dustin. Okay. Uh, I mean, yeah, I, I just wanted to spend time around footballs. Yep, that's Steve. That's definitely Steve. And then one last one for you. Oh, we, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, that's Bill. We'll just have to see how it goes. It's pretty indistinguishable, though. Yeah, as the game show was a complete failure. Thanks to Caleb for trying to. Uh, thanks for Caleb to be the only one to call in yeah, and appreciate participate. That. Yeah. Look at you, everybody else. Um, the reason we do that is because the future of the Patriots is very interesting. Because if you look at um, Steve Belichick, he looks literally identical to Kiefer Sutherland from The Lost Boys. Or again, he looks like the uh, character from The Cleveland Show that is Cleveland's friend whose wife is in the motor scooter. Um, But it makes me think, if Bill and Tom both decide to quit after this year, what's next for the Patriots? Does Josh McDaniel take over in his dream job? I would love that because I think that if Bill and Tom leave you obviously hit the recession, you hit the Great Depression, you hit the um, you hit the rebuild official state in New England. You lose your franchise quarterback, you lose arguably the best coach to ever coach football in the National Football League, and you have to start over from, sca- from scratch. You let Jimmy Garoppolo go to San Francisco, you'd have to go make a trade somehow, or you'd have to hit on a quarterback at some point in some time. Um, I would love this because you know that everyone would leave and it would all go crumbling to the floor. And I'm not sure how many people like Josh McDaniel. I am one of them that does not. Because if you remember what he did with the Indianapolis Colts, he was like, oh, yeah, I agree to be your head coach. I'll come over there. And then the last minute before the paper was signed and the ink was fresh, he was like, eh, maybe not. I think I'll hold out on this. Bill one. called him back. He's like, I, I don't think you. Bill called maybe, him back. Do you think maybe Robert Kraft called him back? I don't think anybody called. I think what happened when Josh McDaniel went to Indianapolis. He was like, I got this. This is my I job. think he was like the kid. As a little kid that was like, you know what, Mom? I'm going over to Frank's house. We're going to spend the night. I'll call you in the morning when I'm ready. And then next thing you know, uh, Frank's mom was calling the other kid's mom. Said, hey, hey, David's having a tough time over here. He's not really – I don't think he wants to spend the night. Is it cool if you come pick him up and, and bring him back home? He's just He seems like he's just scared and doesn't want to stay here. That's exactly what happened with Josh McDaniel. Because Josh McDaniel got to Indianapolis. He realized, oh, God, um, okay, uh, head coach, all right. Um, I've been in Denver. That failed. Um, although I did beat the Pittsburgh Steelers in the playoffs with Demarius Thomas and Tim Tebow on a lucky play drag route that I got completely lucky because Demarius Thomas was a great pickup in the draft who's now irrelevant because the NFL moves so fast. But I would love, love to see Josh McDaniel think that finally he's like, you know what? Because you always get this, right? In every type of movie or series or book, there's always that, like, demented kid that's always like, well, one day when dad's gone, I'll take over. Mm-hmm. Like, basically, Josh McDaniel is Joaquin Phoenix from Gladiator. 
Like, I don't think Bill Belichick truly wants him to take over. Like, I think that he would want his son maybe to take over if his son can take the ranks as like a – because I think his son is like a co-defensive coordinator. Like, there's a couple of guys. He's like a secondaries and cornerbacks yeah. coach. Yeah, there's like a couple guys that kind of get together. They elaborate. They come up with a scheme, and then Bill's like, what would you come up with? And they're like, Dad, I think we're going to do this. I think that'll work. Which we all know that Bill Belichick is still the ruler and the in the owner of that defense. That That's, would be hilarious, though, if Josh McDaniels, after showing this kind of loyalty and coming back and saying, hey, I'll sit here and wait for the job, if he got passed up for yeah. Belichick's son, that'd yeah. be hilarious. It'd just be kind of like when Russell Crowe got the uh, heir to the throne instead of uh, Joaquin Phoenix mm-hmm. in the movie Gladiator. Like, I think you would see Josh McDaniel really just turn heel even more uh, that much faster because I think Josh McDaniels always thought to himself, like, well... You know, I was always the guy that was with Brady because you have to be because you're the offensive coordinator and Bill Belichick is clearly the off. He's the defensive mind. What's the number one struggle in New England right now? Their offense. Um, who's in charge of it? Tom Brady and Josh McDaniel. And you're seeing them kind of get a little bit chippy with each other on the sidelines. I don't have to tell you that because it's literally every game. Watch what happens if the New England Patriots get like kind of like stumped against the Chiefs defense. They will go to a complete shot of Tom Brady and Josh McDaniel or Tom Brady and the rest of his offense. They'll Somewhere that'll be there. I promise you. And nothing would do me more of a favor than Josh McDaniel, who copped out of the job in Indianapolis because he was afraid to leave New England, gets the job in New England, and everybody leaves. And it's like that great scene where the tumbleweed rolls by, the music in the background plays, and he's all there by himself, and he's like, finally, it's mine. I finally have this franchise. And they go like, Four and twelve, or they go three and thirteen, or five and eleven, or five and twelve, six and eleven, whatever they go, six and ten, and just continuously lose. And it's just like you could have had this Colts team that was set up. Now, granted, Andrew Luck left, but they're still decent. And you could add a quarterback that came from your system, be your quarterback now. What? No, you had to stick with Bill. You had to hang out in New England because you thought it was going to be forever great, and it's just not going to be that way. Yeah, he's definitely the kid that whenever he goes, like you said earlier, he goes over for the sleepover, he goes out and tries to get out of his comfort zone, comes running back to Bill Belichick and the Patriots because he's scared to go and do it on his own. It's just exactly what it seems like it is because it didn't work in Denver. He was ran out of Mile High or whatever you want to call that, Vesco, Mile High, Stadium at Denver, whatever. Incomplete field, Drew Locke's house. Shout out, Andy, Drew Locke. Good for you for the first win. That's all you're getting because Binkley gave it to you uh, and – in really good way. He, he had Andy Locke on the radio this week. If you missed it, it's on the podcast page. But Josh McDaniel deserves to take over a team where everybody leaves town. It's like, oh, I could man the house. I could do it. I could be the guy. But if he doesn't give it to Josh McDaniel and he gives it to Steve Belichick, do you think Steve keeps the mullet? I feel like he's got to at this point. He's surfaced in the last week, basically, as being Bill Belichick's son that we never really knew was on that roster or not on that coaching staff. And now, like, that's his look. I don't think that you can go away from that. Steve Belichick's look is mullet and, um, God, I just, I think I do have that ad, that that uh, that audio of his where um, I think they ask him if he watched cartoons or if he watched, uh, if he watched a football film. And he just seems like a guy that just, just really doesn't care. I'll have to find it some other point. But, uh yeah, Steve Belichick. What an interesting character. What a great guy to take over that system. I would uh, 
think it'd be quite hilarious if they went from the hoodie to the mullet. It'd be a matter of days, and it's only about, uh, well, after this week, there'll be three weeks left of the regular season, and then we'll find out what New England does. Uh, we've got an hour left of this show, and then we're off for the rest of the weekend. Stick around because it seems to be a different type of buzz in this game Sunday. Out of Bounds with Dusty Likens and Nick Price, 610 Sports Radio. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.